Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm looking asked to do a whole world. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a league final anyways. Offaly and Derry are going to play in Croke Park uh, next weekend. Offaly agreed to play the match, even though they play Loud the following weekend. And I was kind of thinking then, will Loud agree to play Antrim? And, you know, Loud won a Division 4 league title in Croke Park, you know, a couple of years ago. They're probably all right with that. Um, they'd be probably focused on the championship. But Offaly, um, John Mohan, I thought, was getting a little bit carried away. He said a lot of these Offaly players... Um, have never been in Croke Park never mind playing it so it'll be a nice prize Alan Brogan you tell me if any Offaly player has never been in Croke Park like, does John Martin think these lads are from Timbuktu some pub team that he's after <laughs> that he's after scrambling together to bring them all the way to Croker oh, like you know John he's 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 a very enjoyable sort of character. I'm not sure if he realises himself actually how enjoyable <laughs> he is for us watching him, but uh, it was probably a little bit tongue in cheek. But uh, like, like I suppose the shows we've spoken about before, and, and like on this show, how how important the league is becoming for particularly the, the say the Division Three and Division Four teams. Like like it's it, like it's probably, and I've said before, if I was managing one of those things, getting promotion out of one of those divisions is probably the main aim. Um, it's not the provincial championship for those guys, and say that's what John Mann is looking at. It's an opportunity for those guys to play in Crow Park as well against the team at a similar level to themselves. So, why wouldn't they? Yeah, that's exactly it. I suppose Kildare, Paul Kerrigan, and Mayo for the Division Two final—they're in a different situation in that you know they've bigger fish to fry. Mayo, you know, a Division Two league final. Although James Horan didn't rule it out. But, um, you know, and, and obviously Dublin Kerry, Championship is their main focus, so they're not interested in a league final either. I was thinking just because Loud will, tur- I would imagine Loud will turn it down because they're playing awfully. You know, they have played in Croke Park recently enough. 
Yeah, um, I'd agree with Alan there. Like, uh, I actually was listening to man Shawnee Furlong for Wicklow, and he, he kind of said, like, this is our championship. Do you know what I mean? So the Division 4, Division 3 teams, the league is massive from. Um, geez, I, I was kind of hoping Loudon Antrim would go at it again, to be honest with you, just to see him in Crow Park. Um, but I'd say they, they probably will turn it down. Like, uh, like Derry have been transformed this year. Like, so it'd be great to get to see them get a run up in the league final. Um, and I, I was kind of looking forward to like there isn't too much coverage of the likes of Loud and Antrim, but uh, or or even Derry and Offaly to see someone like Ian Farrell from Offaly in Crow Park, or uh, some of the younger lads from from Loud and Kieran Byrne again see him back from the AFL, and they'll probably turn it down. But it is a pity, like because it's massive for them, and this could be the only chance they could get to win a bit of silverware this year, you know. So. Um, we ran with my own kill there. They, I'd say they have big injuries this weekend, so I'd say they're happy enough to, to probably give it a skip. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. Uh, Kildare are, are riddled with injuries. We'll get to that in a minute. But that's a good point on, on Loud and Antrim. Like, they would have a double header in Croke Park next weekend. Could even be televised. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, should, they should just do it all together and have their players showcased maybe on, on the television. So Kerry and Dublin are sharing the Division 1 title. How do you feel about that? Your most hated uh, rivals. Maybe not hated. You're half a Kerry man. Um, you know, but like... I mean, maybe the All Ireland final could double up as this as this uh, league final, All Ireland final. Imagine the marketing that'll go into that. Yeah, look, I think from like from a supporter's perspective, we'd love to see Kerry Dublin again. But I think from the players' perspective, um, they're probably not too bothered about it now at this stage. I would think. I think they'll they, they'll be talking the injuries and stuff. I think. I think Dublin want the league final. Kerry play Clare the following week, so they probably don't. Yeah, they can't. Yeah, yeah, they won't play the week after. But look, I think. Like I think you'd find Dublin to be happy enough to leave it off as well. I'm sure there's a few knocks coming out of there as well off off kind of three or four games in five or six weekends. So lads will want to uh, spend a couple of weeks now just getting the bodies right. They might take a weekend away or some sort of training camp. I'm not sure how training camps will work out now with, with with the COVID rules and stuff, but I'm sure they have it. They have a bit of work to do over the next two weeks, and I think they'll be happy enough to do that behind closed doors. But certainly from a supporters' perspective, and 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 considering the form Carrier in now, wouldn't you love to see Kerry pitch against Dublin now again, and just to give us a maybe give us a true reflection of where both teams are at coming into the. Uh, coming into the championship yeah maybe Dublin could go on one of those historical tours to France you know where they don't they don't train on they don't, it's only for a rest it's only historical we don't uh, we're not training over there here come here listen I don't, I'd say Paul Dublin might like avoiding Kerry in the form they're in they're in fantastic form we're going to talk about them a little bit and the, the football that they're playing in part two but a couple of bit, bits out of this game Niall Morgan like I mean a complete headless chicken the other night right so like what was he doing for Gavin White's goal it's a pity TG Cahar obviously had their A team in, Bref- in Brefney Park and they'd only the one camera down in, in Kerry for this one so he kicks out the ball the ball is caught by another player um, and then it's transferred to Gavin White who doesn't kick it immediately and suddenly <laughs> Niall Morgan is off his line like I can only imagine he came out and tried to do something with David Clifford who was just in front of him it doesn't make sense that he got lobbed in that situation yeah like uh, it was a bad kick out he put him in right pressure with the kick out or whatever it was in the first place like it ended up a 2-1-1 and quick transfer to Gavin White like I thought it was a pass initially because it was inside of the boot uh, and kind of he, he took his time a bit but Jesus uh, was a, an unbelievable score. But I don't know what Morgan was doing. But to be fair to White, there wasn't too much margin for error, and uh, he caught him. He caught him a few really, like um, and you know, might 
in my kind of we were on like Rory Began and, and Morgan coming out and might maybe keep him on his line a little bit more you know well that's exactly it and then like I mean it, that's embarrassing enough for Niall Morgan then he, he decides to run out to the 21 uh, yard line to to contest the ball with Tommy Walsh at the end of the game Alan like I mean what are you doing there Tommy Walsh is being marked do you think you can run out and outfetch Tommy Walsh and leave the goal completely free He'd lo- maybe he'd lost his mind at that stage at the, like he's the sort of keeper that like he's always looking he's always looking to come out so I say he plays a lot we obviously can't see him on a camera at all stages during a game but I'd say he plays a lot out around the or he stands a lot out around the 21 yard line even further out in the hope that he might get out to take a pass he, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's always ready to he's go he's bored in the goals he's, and it could have been that he gave his kick out then he's thinking just could, I, could I actually get involved in this play again <laughs> <laughs> but he is a bit mad and he does stuff like that every now and again he doesn't like always get caught obviously but um like as Paul said, the finish from Gavin White off the off the inside of the boot, it was it was uh, he caught it like he caught it beautifully, and and he, yeah, might teach Niall maybe just to hang back a little bit from now on because because that that is the easier technique off the inside of the boot. Niall Scully had a similar chance, even an easier chance than Gavin White. Paul, you you'd almost say, and he went off the outside. Like I mean, he had time. This is this has probably happened all three of us in a game. You do panic a little bit. Like it, it's not as easy as it looks. So Niall Scully went off the outside of the boot and 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 drove it a good bit wide yeah like as you said Scully's was a bit a bit closer I would have thought Gavin White would have definitely went outside the boot because he was around 45 yeah and Scully had a little bit more time but if it was me anyway I'd probably be more comfortable to go outside of the boot than inside do you know what I mean probably go for that maybe a bit of power and drill it over and that's why I thought Gavin White was top class really to be honest with you, you know but uh, I suppose it's kind of surprisingly Scully went for it you know usually the dubs would kind of work it into a better position but it was uh, that was nice to see kind of a couple of attempts like that and uh, keep the pe- keepers in their place really yeah exactly Clifford got a pretty soft penalty would you say Alan yeah I thought it was a little now, soft now yeah, did want to push him yeah, off yeah might have been a bit of a push but the fact he got the shot off yeah. stuff, generally a ref would just he just let that go even, even if there was a bit of a push like he had his chance for the goal and um, look it got pulled back he, he dispatched the penalty very well he did kind of a funny run up to the penalty too he did a little bit of a Bruno Fernandez little hop or something did, on, the, yeah. on the run up but yeah. he finished it well to be fair to him he's, he's a he's a cool customer to be fair to him he is a very cool customer that's the thing so Ronan McNamee did try to foul him and put him off so it was a penalty but Clifford got such a good shot off it didn't seem to affect him that much so we're saying it's not a penalty you know what I mean yeah. would well, you look for it back he probably might have thought I'd say he was a bit surprised he got it himself to be honest with you considering he got such a clean shot off yeah um, yeah but as we said, he dispatched it. He got the penalty and he dispatched it very well. He put it away very well. Peter Keane said after the game, being Peter Keane, we have a list of his quotes at this stage, Paul. Like, I mean, this is just uh, absolutely brilliant. I'm starting to like him. He He's like uh, he's like a Jim Gavin, but he's just taken the piss. It's more obvious that he's taken the piss <laughs> than Jim Gavin. Like, I mean, he says there'll be a lot of talk uh, by the virtue of the fact that there was goals. But if you took the goals out of the game, there wasn't a whole lot in the scoreboard at the end of it. Like, I mean, what do you say? You're uh, dealing with this kind of uh, yera, yera, uh, smart arse stuff from the Kerry boys all your yeah. life. Yeah, like, as a fellow, you meet Kerry men in car playing against them and I spend a bit of time down in Kerry, like, Jesus, he takes the piss all together when it comes to the yera, yera, like, like you can see he runs a shop a couple of shops by him, like you know he's just such a he just uh, I suppose the Kerry pressure is they're under probably their hype is probably building a bit so he's probably trying to play it down but Jesus to get six goals in Division 1 is an unbelievable achievement like and to say it would have been close otherwise like you know but uh, oh, he takes the, I think he takes the piss with it to be honest with you it's just 
it's just a bit over the top now at this stage. Like it's funny, he said something similar about uh, when they hammered Galway, but Kerry can do that to teams. Yeah. I saw Muggsy tweeting a picture of Mickey Hart laughing after that result, um, Alan. So, like, I mean, I it's a diff, it's definitely a, it's a difficult one. There's no doubt about that. Again, we might talk about that a little bit more in part two. What do Tyrone do from now on? They're in the same kind of crisis as Galway were, and what do Tyrone do now? They've conceded six goals. Do they try and continue to coach this new game plan? Um, you know, I saw Darren O'Sullivan tweeting, what happened to tough tackling Tyrone who hardly give you time to catch your breath? Like, that's a bigger issue than a systemic issue, you, you know? Yeah, I suppose they need to look, they need to go back to basics now. I think that's a, like, that's a heavy defeat down there. They would have went down there into Kerry's backyard full of, um, kind of full of enthusiasm and thinking this was, this was a great opportunity to lay down a marker and like the game was practically over after 15 minutes yeah. if not before that um, so they'd be very disappointed afterwards and I saw Brian Dewar being interviewed and he he, he, uh, he took a lot of learnings he, he always took a lot of <laughs> learnings but, he, but it, I say it'd be a few hard conversations this week now because that's not that's not something that that that, that you would associate with the likes of Brian Dewar and you talk about hard work and tackling and stuff like that's what he that's what he made his name off that that was the basis of all his um, of all his plays of Tyrone can't get that right. It could be a lot, or it could be a, a short summer for them, whatever. Um, but Kerry just looked; they just looked streets ahead. And even when I looked at the team sheets before, I thought, God, maybe Tyrone aren't aren't quite there. Like when you look at the the forwards Kerry have and stuff, and Tyrone just haven't got; they just haven't got that level of quality at the moment. Now, it's not a it's not a good place to be going when you have a bit of an identity crisis and you're trying to change your system because Kerry just dist- they'll just destroy you. Like I mean, that's the kind of the way it was. Galway went down. Uh, four up in injury time they threw this away completely Paul like I mean it was madness Parag Joyce was livid after the game he refused to speak to the media which is unlike him the Darren Hughes goal like I mean Johnny Dewan what kind of defending is this Paul where you're standing behind Darren Hughes Monaghan are desperate at this stage now it was a t- nice little ball by Cairns into Darren Hughes you can take it from there yeah like I suppose this is one like you'd be on a video analysis whatever time of the game was you'd be Jeez, you, the, the players will be getting killed like uh, but that kind of towards the end of the game to, to equalise it like initially they had him out in the wing which you'd say fair enough but then he gave a kick pass in Galway could have doubled up no contact kind of a, a dribbler of a ball across the goal one on one and then Hughes like you know Darren Hughes the same age as myself nearly he left him for dead you know and like one on one in the square towards the end of the game did numbers back around the 13 alright but she's the lack of contact and Oh, cohesion and protecting the goal towards the end of the game I'd say it was a bad end to kind of a bad league for for Boric Joyce really Well that's the thing like Darren but Darren Hughes is right footed yeah. everybody knows that how does Johnny Dewan not know that Darren Hughes is going to turn to his right Johnny Dewan took a step the other side Yeah yeah that's and that's the first thing I saw when I saw it I thought everyone knows knows Darren Hughes it's not like this is a player coming in off a bench maybe you weren't yeah. sure who like everyone knows Darren Hughes knows he's predominantly right footed so just cover off the right side first and if he can turn on to his left and score a goal from there and off his left and fair play to him but he just made it so easy he was sidestepped away. and it, look like it comes back to preparation before a game any good defender worth their salt is looking at the players they're marking what foot is he right I want to push him off that foot onto his left foot and he just he just made it too easy for him and um, like particularly at that stage of a game, just cover goal side and 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 like at that stage again, it's man on man. Everyone's it's it's like it's backs to the wall stuff. Just 
don't let him get an easy shot off and it was it was just too easy for him that's the thing and like I mean that, look listen it was a great finish by Darren Hughes but no way at inter-county level you should be allowed to do that Shane Walsh with loads of misses like I mean even allowing Conor McManus Paul to get the equaliser of all people there was an element of bad luck with Galway with this because they were fighting like crazy to get the ball back who does it it falls to between Peter Cook and Conor McManus Conor McManus wins the break now Liam Silk led him inside him terribly easy like he yeah. just seemed to at the point where Conor McManus had that ball there wasn't a point on yeah like they had him twice I think it was Darren Hughes and Boyle they, they had him bottled up almost twice and like how many times have you seen McManus kind of come in and hit it off the inside of his right like um, and at that stage it was the opposite for the goal Galway had maybe two defenders in front of their kind of in their box and there was no there was no forwards in there just to get out especially McManus like, there should be two on him at that stage you know what I mean um, oh, I'd say poor choice is probably livid I'd say to be honest with you, giving them away absolutely they were in complete control like I mean they were in complete control yeah. even the Jack McCarran winning point then Galloway had that ball it was their one of the subs number 25 I couldn't find his name I wasn't sure of it just hand passed it, it straight yeah. over his, his teammates yeah. Uh, head like when you add up all this kind of thing together Galway how did they come out of that game and not, and uh, how did Monaghan win that game yeah well that's the that's I suppose the pressures of a game at that level and you just can't afford to make mistakes like especially at that stage of the game and where you are on the field and it was like they were in control of that last possession it was just yeah. hold on to the ball let's just work it up the field they only had to kill a minute or whatever and um, now fairness to Jack McCartney still had a lot of work to do and it was a beautiful finish but he, he should never have been in a position to even to even get the shot off because it was Galway's possession. It looked like they'd done the hard work, and then to give it back so softly, I'd say, I'd say there's a few t- like poor choice. They'd probably be happy with how they performed. They were probably the better side, particularly in the, particularly in the seventy minutes. But I think some of the mistakes towards the end, and as you say, the defending for the goal and and giving the ball away for for Jack McCarran's point, he'd be he'd be absolutely furious with. And they're the little things that the really top teams just like the likes of the Dublins, the Carries, whatever. They just close out a game at that stage. You just wouldn't see Dublin making a mistake like that at no. that stage. So that's that's. Look, lots to work on for Galway. Those sort of pressure moments, high pressure moments in the game, they need to get them right if they want to get to the next level. I think so. And maybe that's why Joyce was so kind of pissed off down to Division 2 now and he was kind of talking about All-Irelands when he when he took over. Like Rory Began was kind of losing the run of himself towards the game. I know it's panic stations at that stage, Paul, and the goalkeeper will come up. But the thing about Rory Began was up uh, tackling Gleeson. It's not often you see a goalkeeper tackling another goalkeeper. But like, I mean, he's not actually that good on the ball, Rory Began. Like he comes out, he's a huge man. He's a bit clumsy. Like, I mean, you just get near him and it's easy enough to turn him over. But it's not the first time we've seen him. But I suppose, look, they're four down in injury time. We'll, we'll give him a pass. Yeah, he's a big unit, I suppose, maybe. In around the square, it's probably the place for him. But, uh, oh, geez, he wouldn't like him around the middle giving one-twos and stuff like that, I suppose. <laughs> he's a great man to come up for the freeze and he's a big boot in him. But, uh, I don't know, I'd say we, we might be, uh, we saw kind of uh, the way Morgan was caught out there, I'd say maybe. <laughs> I don't know, I'd say that's probably the place for him back there. Um, maybe up for the freeze that'd be about it yeah he's good at the long kick passes from kind yeah. of inside his own 21 did Jack McCarran foul the ball when he showed it with one hand and brought it back to the other hand is that I'm not sure about the technicality of that uh, now was it, listen I don't want to take away it was a lovely he lo- it was a lovely dummy to sell the, the Galway player and come back inside on his left yeah, can you show it fair, out wide like skill, that like it's a skill in itself that sort of dummy with the hand and bring it back in and um yeah, I'd have to see it again. Will to be honest with you, I wasn't. I didn't notice it at the time. To be honest, I didn't think at the time that he fell. But yeah, if you move from one hand to the other, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It was a good finish. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Talking about our Galway player Ross Common, actually, who went down. Um, 
they went down without a fight altogether against Armagh. So we're not going to spend too much time. We'll talk a little bit about Armagh in um, in in part three in performance of the weekend. Um, Mead and Kildare really went at it. So we saw this on League Sunday last night. Um, big, huge row. So Mead's Conor McGill got a straight red. He was throwing uppercuts into one of the Kildare players. Now, we presume this was the Kildare player he's accusing of spitting at him. So we don't know if that's true. That's what Mead are saying. We haven't heard anything from Kildare yet. Um, only one camera at the game and it didn't catch the start of the fight so yeah. I wouldn't say we'll, we'll see any video evidence um, of this but like I mean obviously spitting is just disgusting on a football field to begin with especially in Covid when it's even more bloody dangerous so Andy, Andy McEntee said Conor McGill is not a fighter he looked he didn't look too <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look too simple I have to say that but Andy McEntee says Conor McGill is not a fighter someone spits in your face what are you going to do you know like I mean it wasn't much to this row other than the Conor McGill you know throwing the few the uppercuts yeah and I said, I said like I watched it last night and like I was watching very closely for uh, for where were the punches thrown or where did the red cards come from and I missed that initially it was only when they went back over again that I saw where the punches were actually thrown and it did look like he was trying his best to hide the little uppercuts but it did look like the it did look like the hand was gone but look it's it, it's like it's hard to comment on, on it's hard for us to comment on was there a spit or not obviously we didn't see it but you would hope and um, maybe there wasn't but but at the same time I couldn't see Andy McIntyre kind of coming out and, and with something like that unless his, unless his player is leading him down the garden path a little bit but um, like it was strange obviously to see 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 like there was a lot of people involved didn't look like there was a lot of Badness going no. in. There was a lot of pulling and dragging, but to see two red cards for me, it's not often you see that where 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 it's not balanced out or whatever. And I didn't actually see what the other red card was for, to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, I think it was look two close rivals going at it. I suppose a lot at stake in that game as well. So um, yeah, was a sub goalkeeper getting involved in the mix? A fellow with a tracksuit top on him. No, I just wondering. He looked like he was part of a backroom yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, and I don't like seeing that. Off. Yeah, it was close to the line, so maybe there was guys standing around there. And, and, and look, I'm sure there's no love lost between those two teams there anyway. And they've, they've probably played against played against each other a good bit over the last uh, over the last number of years. So um, sometimes it spills over. It's, it's not pretty, but sometimes it does spill over and look to be a couple of suspensions coming out and everyone just move on. Yeah. What are you like when a, when a free-for-all like, like that happens, Paul? Do you tend to stay out of it? We know Alan can often start him and then Peter <laughs> Caffrey pulls him off into the stand to protect him. I, 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 I avoided him like the plague. I just reckon if I ran in there, three lads would follow me and I could, I'd be in big trouble. Just avoid them. Oh yeah, same as yourself, Willie. But like, as Alan said, if anything kind of breaks out near the bench, like, is a kind of a could go a bit over the top you know but uh, I suppose like yes, I thought it was the same like, like there was a lot of kind of that Aussie rules kind of wrestling and grabbing each other by the collar it was only afterwards when they showed the, the punch being thrown but look I'd say t- like the suspensions and top of the injuries there is, is as well as the relegation is probably uh, kind of a bit of a disaster for me you know yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, talking about the injuries, Alan, Willie Highland, he scored a goal. There's nothing better than a goal like that from a misplaced point. Like, for a defender, you can't defend it. You think yeah. this is going over, and then it's just a, a missed kick. How many times have we seen it? Willie Highland got the early goal, went off. Paul Cribben went off injured. I think he went to hospital. Kevin Feely, hamstring. Willie Highland had a hamstring. Luke Flynn is going to be suspended. And Daniel Flynn got injured on Friday night. Like, I mean, we're seeing more and more examples of it. Like, the, the schedule is leading to these hamstring injuries. It was warned before it would start. Like you just can't go from zero to these, you know, f- four games in five weeks without yeah, seeing so this. Yeah, the ground is 
and the ground is quite hard now obviously as well so the games are very fast and I think you can see even from say the first week of the National League to the pace of the games yesterday you can see the pace is really getting up to is really getting up to championship level and I'd say guys just don't have enough running in the legs at this stage and kind of generally going into a National League say in February or whatever the ground would be a, be a little bit soft the game isn't as fast so you don't see those sort of injuries whereas now the players have gone in very quickly with a very short pre-season and um, maybe they might have done a bit themselves over the lockdown or whatever but like you can't substitute when you're in training when you're in training properly or in kind of match situations so it's obviously just just come too quick for a lot of guys and um, especially the teams that are maybe involved in the relegation and uh, um, and the and the promotion stuff. Those guys would have wanted to play, even if you're carrying a little niggle. It was an important game, so guys would have wanted to play. Maybe you just pushed it a bit too far then, and, and we've seen a few hamstring injuries. And it's going to be difficult to turn, like in the space of two or three weeks, to get back from hamstring injuries in time for the championship. Yeah. So it's a difficult time for those teams now going into it. Yeah, that's that's the most difficult thing with the hamstring because when you have the hamstring back right. You know, you might need a game 30 minutes, you might need 45 minutes back up to 60 minutes and you need to do loads of weights on it to get it back strong. Like that gives you an... Ec- when, you're, when your hamstring's healed, you might need another three more weeks again, whereas they don't seem to be giving themselves that because the games are coming so so fast. Mayo were very impressive in the first half, Paul. Like, I mean, you, you, the, the game was over at half time and they'd lost the two O'Connors and, you know, you have to give Claire a lot of credit. They, they, they fought back really well and you had your big man... Um, uh, Darren O'Neill caused caused a few problems. Although Aidan O'Shea cleaned him out of it in the midfield um, in the first half. But like I mean, Mayo, it, they're an incredible team, really, to watch. Paul, in that you'd be looking at the game and you'd be like, "How come we don't see the stalemates at either end?" You know that you'd see with Dublin, even Dublin and Donegal the night before, because Mayo don't do anything sideways. They don't go anyway half pace three quarter pace they don't slow the game down they only know one speed and that's 100% sprint and not just a fellow with the ball 100% sprint three other fellas are absolutely sprinting with all they have in their legs to get up beside them and give them an option off the shoulder like I mean they're a fantastic team to watch because they're just all out attack yeah they're, they do everything at 100 miles an hour and at 100% like their their support play their tackling like you, Keegan O was very good yesterday. I thought he was a bit quieter maybe last year. Um, but like you think he's coming towards the end of their career, and then you have Oshie Mullen come in. He's like a prototype of him. Like he's just like the the support play. Like the that goal um, in the first half was Mullen to Keegan to Conroy, all just taking their men on. Uh, the good thing about it as well is they've like we're on going forward 100 they mark 100 as well like like Paddy Durkin was picking up uh clearly the center forward like for clear like and we've seen Keegan pick up Connolly like they they're well able to mark as well you know and their forward pressure is unbelievable as well they're they're a joy to watch like uh, I think Claire probably let them have the ball a bit in the first half and they just went at him and their support play like you would Ruan and Keegan at the O'Connors up to they went off um, just, just they play with with a with handbrake off really, like and just go at it. That's it. That's a philosophy, Alan, isn't it? Like, I mean, there's nothing conservative about Mayo. They just go for it. And like, I mean, like Paul's mentioned in that Ushin Mullen goal, like Hessian actually started that move, the other cornerback, like, and then it was to Mullen to Keegan. Mullen didn't stop when he saw Keegan getting it. It was given into Tommy Conroy, who's running off his shoulder. Ushin Mullen is still gone like a bomb, and ends up scoring a goal. Like they got one five from their defence. You know, it is seemed to be all out attack with them and that's not they, they can vary up the play they got some offensive marks um, they gave some great ball into Killian O'Connor they're running the ball at 100% speed and they're also varying it with some kicks into the forward line as well like I mean they're, like I, I keep repeating it 
but especially when like we'll talk about this a little bit in part two Dublin are starting to become almost unwatchable at times yeah. you know like Mayo are very Mayo and Kerry are by far and away the best teams to watch yeah we've, like we've never doubted Mayo's ability to attack and to play football um, with the best of them and we've seen them against Dublin they probably are the like the team that's given Dublin the most trouble over the years maybe they've kind of waned off a little bit in the last year or two but um, certainly over the last 10 years they've been, they've been the team that have caused Dublin the most trouble but I, like I think um, and maybe James Horn saw this game playing against Clare and he said right if we go 100% for this we can overrun Clare and they did overrun Clare in the first half they just couldn't live with them um, but you'd like to see them be able to show a bit more control to be a, a, able to close out a game a little bit better like um, what, they were 11 up where they yeah. think at one stage and got I think Clare got it back to 3 like, yeah. which is which is a little bit worrying and look we know Clare are, 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 have a, had a very good year but, but they shouldn't and, and probably aren't at the level that, that, that the males are at so I think there's lots there for James Horan to work on I think obviously the injuries seeing Killian O'Connor going off the well, way he walked what happened up him? that looked like a groin injury deep deep within his really? groin to me and I, I, from my own groin injuries that was when I hurt it that was the way he ho- he just slipped, the way he hobbled he? off did he slip I didn't see slipped. I didn't really see where he hurt it's just I saw him afterwards as he was hobbling off the field and that looked really worrying for me now um, um, for Killian like if that's a, a bit of a groin tear or something up in his up in his groin somewhere um, I'd like to get back in three or four weeks time is is is, is going to be a big ask I think unless I'm unless I'm reading the pictures wrong but he didn't look comfortable coming off at all no no he didn't and and one thing was noticeable I thought Paul the way he was walking off What the, the injured leg he kept completely straight he didn't bend the knee then I was thinking is it his knee or like it's very there's no confirmation on what happened to him but it was very innocuous yeah, I thought it was his knee as well first, but listen to that there, but like he had no mobility at all. Like he was just, and uh, well, whatever it is, and if he's hoping to get back being a free taker as well, it's going to be a big part of that. You know, he's a big part of that for him. So um, I, I didn't see it either in, in real time, uh, like Alan, but geez, if he goes out like that's their forward line, he's the kind of the, the linchpin inside there, like he's going to be a massive loss. But uh, I was kind of looking for it this morning as well to find out. What was there? Was there any news in it? But there wasn't really. So kind of waiting, waiting to see what it is in the severity of it as well. You know. Yeah, exactly. And his brother went off as well. I think that was more of a clash as he jumped for a ball um, in midfield. So they're two big injury worries for Mayo. But Mayo moving well. Mayo moving fine. They're back up to Division One, which is not surprising. Cavan and Tipperary lads, they're a joke now. Let's call a spade a spade here. They're down to Division Four. And you know what else it is? It's a joke for the teams like Carlo and these teams trying to get out of Division Four because next year it might as well be written off because these two, you know, they got their kick in the arse and they'll come back up so Division 4 is pretty much decided you know for next year which is a, is a joke as well Sligo Wexford all these teams trying to genuinely get up into Division 3 and you have two provincial champions going down to Division 4 it's just not good enough like I mean obviously credit goes to Wicklow and Longford um, Davy Burke the Wicklow manager was saying um, after the game he says I've been in dressing rooms after you win a championship with the club or if you do something well how you go after it again in the league um, that was their hunger or that was the hunger thing we wanted lads whispering to Cavan players do you really want to be here lads do you want to bring it into a battle and that's what we did and that's what they did Wicklow they brought it into a battle Cavan didn't want the battle. Now, can you understand how they can't want the battle? I understand the hangover. I remember when we won the Leinster in 2003, we lost the first three league games, but then we won the next four. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not a bad team. A hangover is allowed, but getting relegated to Division 4 is is not allowed. Yeah, I think um, we discussed this on the show a couple of weeks ago, I think, where we... Uh, I didn't think they'd go down, uh, though. And we spoke about had, had Cavan the hunger, and was it, as you say, a hangover from last year? And... Um, 
like I said, certainly the effort those lads would have put into last year, is that enough for them? Were they happy with their lot then? And then they come back to it. But as you say, they still should be capable of winning one or two games and they should be capable of saying, OK, we're in a bit of a dogfight here against Wicklow. Shit lads, yeah. We need to win this game. Let's We need to dig it out. And they, like I just said, they weren't able to. And, and, and uh, look, to be honest, I think Cavill and Tipperary, well, we know they kind of overachieved last year, but they, it, they, like they were big shocks. Like, like, uh, Cork after beating Kerry and to lose to Tipperary like that, that was very disappointing from Cork as well even to lose to Tipperary in the Munster final so I don't think they're I don't think Cavan and Tipperary are quite at the standard maybe where they thought they were last year and I think this is this has kind of proved this case but at the same time particularly Cavan um, they've been they've been in enough big Ulster championship games against good sides that they should have been able to win that game um, and it's 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 very disappointing from for them that they didn't but all credit to Wicklow as well Davy Burke in fairness to him he seems to have a great rapport with his players down there and and, and he, like he's very committed to that Wicklow job which I'm sure at stages can be a difficult job but he, like he's got the most out of them and I'm sure they're very happy this morning Yeah some great 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 quotes from Shawnee Furlong in performance of the weekend he scored 2-3 um, in the game just how he kind of got himself motivated before the game I thought it was funny Mickey Graham said after the after match he says when you get into situations that we found ourselves in at times you need to make sure that you do have the appetite for the battle and that's something we've had to question um, ourselves on the, the attitude for a battle Paul in a relegation match to be like embarrassed nationwide by going to Division 4 if you don't have the appetite for that battle like I mean it's that's very worrying or are these lads after saying I have my Ulster medal never thought I'd get one there we go I'm putting my feet up yeah, like you'll be worried a bit about them, like because I think it's their third relegation in a row, like yeah. you know. And yeah. I know they've got two Ulster finals, but like Christ, even if you lose your your three league games, you still had a once off game to to get out of it, like so. Might be with you, I'd be, geez, I'd be questioning big time what's going on in there, you know. I know they had success last year, but kind of looking at the age profile, two of them are in two two teams are in their prime, like you know, and they won a provincial last year. They should be looking to get up uh, the way where Clare are, you know, to be aiming to get promoted to Division One, but. Christ, I, I don't know, like, must be so I don't know where they're missing lateral injury or what, but, you know, not to, and they would have been heavily favoured there now to be Wicklow and Longford, like, two of them. So just for a one, like, win one game out of four and they couldn't kind of really do it, you know, it was, um, it's killer from, you know, and as you said, like, down to Division 4, like, in our own, with Cork at the weekend, they were, if they lost, they were down to Division 3 and people were paying for blood, like, that was happening, but, to go down to Division 4 for those type of teams is probably a bit unthinkable. Yeah, they seem to be getting a bit of a, obviously get a bit of a pass locally because Mickey Graham's done such a great job with them and David Power won a Munster unexpected. So, and, and obviously two years they got relegated, they made an Ulster finalist, but still though, like you see Kieran McGinney, we talk about him in, in, in performance of the weekend, he puts a huge stock in playing the big teams. Like, I mean, that might be okay on a one-off year and a good Ulster draw or whatever, but like going forward you won't be a force in any Super 8s consistently if you're not operating in Division 1, probably, maybe Division 2. Um, I'll finish part one on a bad note, lads, because Leash went down, lost all four games badly. Um, lost this one by seven. Now, maybe the scoreline doesn't tell the whole the whole story. Um, you have Corbett and goals coming out to punch a ball and punch it into his own net. How he did that, we didn't see the, the highlights. And then straight after that goal, Leash went down and missed a penalty. So there's our six... 
six kind of point swing after Leash playing pretty well in the first half. But Mike, Mike Quirk was talking after the game and he says, in terms of that type of pace and power, we don't have that within our team. That's the reality of it. It's fine saying we should be running the ball with more pace. But if you don't have that weapon, you can't be using it. And Leash probably don't have pace throughout their team or that power you know that running mayo everything at a a sprint but here's the thing that Leash do have they have monstrous forwards so like I don't understand with Mike Quirk he does a coaching podcast so like I mean you know these lads that do I find them a little bit nerdy the way they go on about coaching and overthink things but if you don't have that pace and power and you have monstrous forwards. Donny Kingston, Evan O'Carroll, Gary Walsh, John O'Loughlin. John O'Loughlin could play in the half forward. Now, I understand you're going to give in high balls to them all the time. A sweeper will go ahead of them. Leave one of them in there. Leave Gary Walsh in on his own. The sweeper stand in front of him and play your three big men in front of him and pepper them with balls. If you're saying you don't have one thing, I'm showing you what you do have. Why are your teams not doing something different, Alan? Like, where's the innovation from, from these teams? Yeah, so, like I've heard... I've heard his podcast a couple of times. He definitely, like, he definitely knows his football. To be fair to him, no, he's a good um, pundit, yeah. And he look, is. he's liked no, as a manager too. No, no, he knows his football. I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of a, you know, more about it than I would. But is there a bit of crisis of confidence down there? Maybe like they ha- they have some good players like John O'Loughlin. I've I played against him lots of times up in Dublin as well, and he's like he's a brilliant footballer. But he probably doesn't have the pace maybe now that he had a few years ago. Um, so maybe yeah, they need to look at need to look at changing how they're playing. But to lose four games is is very disappointing. Um, and I think the whole pace and power thing, like like if you look the likes of say Oshie Mullen and kind of Lee Keegan might be a bad example, but those guys are built really well. There's there's kind of three or four, even the younger Mayo guys. Look at Paddy Durkin now compared to when he came on the scene four yeah. or five years ago. Like he's a huge man. So. Um, um, are Leash at the same level in terms of strength and condition maybe as some of the other teams um, some of the more experienced teams are playing against particularly from the back line out if they don't have the pace the pace or the power there to play a running game um, so maybe look he probably is looking at it as maybe a, a longer term project and maybe they just need a couple of years to get a few lads through to uh, to um, to be able to play that style of football Yeah. well I, I don't know Like it's, it seems to me to be basic logic I do accept the strength and conditioning but they would have done they would have been in pretty good shape coming on from John Sugru and continued that on I don't think stra- they're probably at the level they're going to get to at strength and conditioning I just don't understand if you don't have pace within your team Paul what goes an awful lot faster than any player is the bloody football get it on down the field like I mean that would that, and I've seen Leash enough to go they're just playing this same version of 13 coming back and 2 left up and this same up and down the field kind of game and if you don't have pace and power, you're not getting through in those kind of stalemate games. No, I would have got the Cork Leash game on GA Go. To be honest with you, the second half it was nearly a waste of the fiver. Like, you know, they, they kind of they were neither here nor there. They were just a bit ponderous, you know, and hoping to break a line, and they, and they weren't. But they do have big men. Like, if they had everyone, they'd have Lillis, Kingston, Walsh, McLaughlin, Begley. Like, um, I just, I, I, they're kind of reliant on O'Carroll inside to score, you know. I just I I just found them kind of they, they had no penetration either way whether they're going uh, direct or, or trying to, to take a man on so um, look they were relegated in kind of bad fashion like so look I'd say they'll probably have to uh, reinvent themselves a bit you know coming up the championship maybe I just I would like to be like why not just be the, the long ball team and be known Jesus you play a leash now you know they're not an easy team to play against they're, they're tackled very hard they get it down the other end of the field and you know they cause you problems why, why is there no team that we ever describe like you know you see it in soccer oh they're a long ball team maybe not as much anymore but why can't a team be do something completely different to all the other teams yeah, yeah. like if he's playing with a, if he's playing with men 
men back. He probably doesn't have the men up the field to play the no like to play the long quick ball. So that's the that's the whole the whole quite catch twenty two about it. But like in saying that the the lads you've mentioned there, like there definitely is an option. Like there's big men in there. A lot of counties don't have them. That could win their own ball if they played a little bit like that. So maybe they do need to reinvent a little bit and start to trust the lads a bit more. I suppose the game has gone, like in general, the whole coaching philosophies and stuff has gone very possession based. Hold on to the ball until we get it up the field, and I suppose that's what teams want to do. They want to protect the ball at all costs, or so, um, so, so they don't spend too much time defending. And I suppose the risk of playing the long ball in is that there's a sweeper back there, or whatever, and it's mopped up and it's coming straight back at you again. So. I suppose that's it, but he obviously needs to look at something because it hasn't hasn't gone well from this year. No, it hasn't gone well. And look, to be fair to Mike Quirk, he's not he's not working with a, an unbelievable, um, you know, unbelievably talented squad. Like I mean, they're probably our top top level division three, bottom level division two team, and that's the reality of it. All right, we'll leave it there, lads. We'll come back and we'll talk about this fantastic Kerry team. So Kerry 615, Tyrone 114. Like, I mean, this is an awful demolition job of a very, very good Tyrone team coming on the back of an awful demolition job of a good Galway team, which almost should have beaten Monaghan yesterday. Like, Kerry are playing football. We talk about maybe not playing Kerry in a league final, Alan. Maybe Dublin might be better off just avoiding them while they're, you know, although they, they drew with them, I suppose, a couple of weeks ago. So maybe I'm only trying to trying to wind you up. One thing that sticks, me, sticks out for me with Kerry, right, is... The kick passing, but not just when the fella, when someone catches the kick pass, what's happening? Someone is gone past him. You know, like I see a lot of teams and even Dublin, Niall Scully will give a ball into Paddy, or into Paddy Small or Conor Callaghan. And most people will stand looking at them, hoping to go past their man or take them on. That same interplay isn't there with other teams as Kerry. And they are fully committed to, to getting up and a lot of a lot of people talking about intensity and intensity is all about tackling and winning the ball back the intensity they show to get up there and support that man on the ball because you look at it now uh, Stephen O'Brien for the Paul Geaney goal Stephen O'Brien gives a hand pass to Sean O'Shea who gave the lovely double back run now wouldn't most teams stand and watch Sean O'Shea and, and watch how he comes in now Sean O'Shea come in at an angle and he might have fisted over the bar Paul Gini wasn't happy with that. Paul Gini wanted to get up there and get on his shoulder, took a little pop pass, bang, goal. Do you know what I mean? And then the, the, the other goal, Dara Moynihan goal, gives a kick pass across to, to Clifford, right? Who's there beside him? Sean O'Shea, right? He's supporting that pass. Then Sean O'Shea runs on a little bit, looks inside. Who's back up off his arse? Clifford. Back up again for another pass. Committed to get up there to help him out. Because if you don't support the man on the ball... You know, they can only really take their man on and that's kind of the move over. Pass into Moynihan, goal. Do you know, they are the best at not just kick passing, but getting up to support that pass. Yeah, like it was definitely, it was one of the best forward display, half an hour maybe of forward displays I've seen for a long, long time. And like, it's like it's interesting. We spoke a few weeks ago about, um, and even last year against Cork, leaving Stephen O'Brien out and um, he'd been on the bench for the first couple of league games. Now he has, I think he's figured out how to get... Stephen O'Brien into the team and he's moved their mining up to 14 yesterday um, so now they have six like they have six really top class forwards they don't really have a defensive a defensive forward in their six forwards at all. so they're going so they're going all out and like, like it's funny when you look at the court game last year how how f- 
now it's come full circle. Like now he like he hasn't even got a defensive forward in a six forward. He's gone all out attack. Um, and look, they showed against Dublin. They were obviously a bit poor at the back against Dublin, but they they they, they were solid enough yesterday at the back. So maybe they've sorted that out a little bit as well. They've had a good look at it and they figured it out a little bit. But they're definitely the the informed team at the moment. And look, Dublin won't be like they won't be kind of looking at a quaking in their boots or anything. But I'm sure they're taking notes. Seeing like any team that scores that scores six goals against their own or five and a half or whatever is is doing something right and um, I suppose when you're playing six forwards like that as a defensive unit you, like you have to mark them all you can't leave any of them That's off the because thing. they're going to do damage um, so I suppose look I think there's no question that is the game that everyone's going to be looking forward to later on in the summer like I can't see Kerry making the same mistakes that they made last year and losing the game in the Munster Championship and, and obviously we We'd expect Dublin to come out of the Leinster Championship, so that is the game that everyone's that everyone's going to be waiting for. And yeah, look, it's a pity we're not going to see it in the league final. I think at this stage, as I said, supporters would love to see where both teams are at, um, kind of gone up against each other. But I think you're right in saying Kerry look to be in in superior form to Dublin as well. Even though Dublin are still still winning matches and probably winning them comfortably enough, they're not showing the same the same level of creativity or the same no. level of flair that the Kerry no. that the Kerry forwards are far from it. Probably to be honest, they're playing as you say, they're playing the kind of safe game still, looking to looking to create opportunity. Conor Callahan, if he gets one on one inside, he has a chance of a goal. But apart from that, it's it's um, they're not they don't seem to be creating as many opportunities as Carrier. No, we'll we'll talk about Dublin in a minute because that's a very interesting one. Like I mean, they are very boring to watch now, and um, even against Kerry, when you usually think Dublin will be a bit more kind of you know risky or playing more or riskier football, they didn't really do it against Kerry, which was very uh, worrying from watching uh, Dublin point of view. But I suppose that's the thing, Paul. The six forwards that all need to be marked. We talked about this on the show not so long ago. Tyrone will play four forwards that need to be marked and two workers that you can pretty much let on and do you know let them on out into midfield and will stay back covering. You can't do that with the Kerry forwards. Not only that, you want to bring a midfielder back and you know cover around the house Frank Burns tried to do it he's going to get immediately sucked towards Clifford because he has to be double marked now the other five forwards still only have one man on it you know unless you're trying to play a, a very defensive system against Kerry yeah and like Kerry have Killian Spillane coming on as well who's in unbelievable form and he can't get into the team at all like, yeah. so that's seven forwards like they have, that are absolutely flying like what I like about them too is you have uh, Paddy Clifford and mine and drop out and they kind of they go straight in from midfield to the full forward line and they're fierce busy, the two of them, you know, they kind of they're kind of something different to your traditional carry carry players and, and then they're comfortable on the ball, you know. So um maybe teams are leaving them ghost out and, and then they're not picking them up as they go back in. Um but like I thought like Tyrone, like if you leave any carry team, if you step off and leave them play, they'll play. And like you you mentioned the kicking. They can kick from half back to half forward line and then they, they kick back in kick kick pass into the full forward line, usually around the D diagonal is unbelievable like so um, and then they can run it hard as I mentioned Clifford and uh, uh, Moynihan and, and Stephen O'Brien is very direct as well so they can do it a lot of ways you know so um, uh, they're they're an unbelievable form at the moment and they're probably the team to watch you know that's the thing. So, like, Tyrone had the same problem against Kerry as Galway. They weren't tracking the runners, right? So, like, I mean, even Sean O'Shea at the time, McKernan was just standing looking at him. But the tendency, Alan, is um, for a team, and you're marking a fella and you're kind of tackling him and he gives in a long kick pass. Isn't the natural instinct just to kind of stop? Do you yeah. know, well, that's that done now. You know, thank Jesus, thankfully he's given it off. I'm wrecked. But now Clifford and Minehan are following these and getting Sean O'Shea. They're doing those support runs after a kick pass and they're losing their men very easily because Tyrone are not used to, they're not used to dealing with this. Usually they're 
inside the 45 looking out so they don't have to follow a man back with their facing their own goal it's a little bit alien to them and Galway as well yeah, well, I suppose it's like they say, the man that gives the kick pass off or gives the hand pass off then becomes the most dangerous, the most dangerous player on the pitch because just for that split second he's not watched. And and like yeah. as you say, um, when the lads were giving it the kick pass, they weren't waiting to see where the where the passes landing and what was happening. They were just ma- making the support runs. And I think they they probably caught Tyrone a bit unawares. Then they just they fell asleep for a second or two, and that's that's then too late. It gives the carry forwards had a yard or two, and like like to be fair to them, it was obviously something they were worked on. They were working on because they followed up every pass that went in. They followed it up with a support run straight yeah. away. As you said, there was there was support runs coming from everywhere, and particularly the Clifford one for Moynihan's goal. I think he kind of appeared from nowhere and gave a lovely little hand pass across the like across the Darren Moynihan. It was a beautiful goal. Like no no defense could have stopped it to be honest, but. Um, yeah, I suppose that's what you get when you get when you play with six forwards like that that seem to have a very good understanding and are all playing for the team together and, and all all playing very unselfishly, you can get some beautiful football played and that's particularly Darmoinen's goal, I think, showed that perfect. That 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 goal was a team that were playing for each other, that were playing unselfishly, that were playing with lots of support and lots of pace and, and that's what came at the end of it when you have the quality with that. But you you know yourself, uh, Paul, from playing in the full forward line and you know, if you've no if you've no one up supporting you and you win the ball with your back to goal you know you're very predictable because you can only take on your man and uh, well like a, a, to bring the Dublin example again they'll kick it into Paddy Small Paddy Small might go at his man might realise eh, this isn't on there's no other option now but to send it back out to around the 45 that's boring unless you have fellas up to support that kick whether it's the kicker and one big thing Mick O'Dwyer always told us when he talks, when you kick the ball in, always follow it. Always give it, give them an option. And not just the person who kicked it, because I often played wing forward and I loved get, taking a pop pass off the full forward line and I'd stand around completely disinterested and the minute midfielder kicked it, I'm, I'm gone in after that. And the back, isn't, the back isn't paying attention. All he's doing is looking at a midfielder kicking a ball in and he thinks, oh, well, look, my man, usually they'll mark you if you go short for it. But if that ball goes in and you just maybe take a step or two short and then turn around and sprint like your life depended on it, you're getting that pop pass. You know, I don't, the, the point I'm making is this is pretty traditional stuff Kerry are doing. There's no huge, uh, there's no huge kind of secret to it. I think they're catching teams like Galway and Tyrone out who are not used to marking players like this for the last 10 years. Yeah, I suppose there's two things. Like Kerry, traditionally their kick pass is so good and the, the ball in is really good, you know generators in a fella it's it's to the man's advantage receiving it and you know if you're coming off an inside forward shoulder like very often like Alan said they're so unselfish if you get it more times uh, than not when you're coming off a fella's shoulder you continue to make that run like you know so there's two or three coming off them all the time and like you look at Shawnee O'Shea and, and Clifford they're their two best forwards but they're so unselfish they're involved in so many scores so if they're setting the tone like um, others will follow so it is, yeah, they're bringing it back a bit, you know, and, and maybe teams are struggling with that direct ball and, and that support play. And, like, teams are so fit now, they're, they're just, they'll get up and down for that support play constantly. And if they keep giving it, um, then there's unlimited options from really, like, you know. And, and that's the thing, Alan, you're, if you get your ball in the full forward line, you're happy to lay off the odd one. Now, you wouldn't lay them off an awful lot, <laughs> but you would like to lay the odd one off because that, then your man's guessing what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if Paddy Small gets it for Dublin... What's this man going to do? He has to take me on. Yeah, like I think the on. I keep using the poor Paddy Small example, but the, the uh, like the cat is probably out of the bag a little bit with Kerry now as well. Like if you're 
if I was Dublin or if 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 you're anyone preparing to play against Kerry and you're looking at that that game yesterday you can see right when they're giving the ball in they're going in after it very quick so defenders like as you said I often kind of acted like I wasn't interested in the game as well and I'd be waiting 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 and a good four smart forward would know I'd know where the ball was landing or roughly where the ball was landing so I'd be I'd be getting myself into position to make that run quickly to try and catch the back off guard and you catch a, a bad back off guard you wouldn't catch the good backs off guard because they'd be ready for it so I think teams looking at Kerry now are going to have to start preparing for that and saying look you can't switch off for a second there's going to be support runners coming from everywhere so as soon as that ball is going in you, you need to prepare, you have to be goal side your man and be prepared to get back with him because they're going to support the, the ball into the full forward line um, now you can say the cat out of the bag is still not that easy to stop because of the quality they have. But I don't, like I said, I don't think Dublin would be would be quaking in their boots just yet. I think they, like with the six forwards Kerry have, I think Dublin have six good backs that would be well capable of marking them. And the only thing is, then as you say, if you're playing six forwards up like that, it means there's space back in your back line as well for a good forward line to uh, to um, operate in. So I think Dublin would probably fancy a game like that where they have where they have space in the forward line to attack. Um, and I think Dublin could maybe be could maybe be playing within themselves a little bit at the moment. Probably not showing all their cards on the table at this stage. Um, and I think there'll probably be, be be a few more strings to Dublin's bow later on in the summer, despite what you think at the they, moment. They'd want to shape it up because honestly, <laughs> Dublin, Dublin are. We'll get to it in one second. Just to leave this game, uh, Paul. What did Tyrone do here? Like, I mean, do they stick or twist? Like, what? How do they fix this? They're, they've got. Uh, Kind of coming on from the very first game where they were very impressive. Paul Donahue's uh, gone off form completely, taken off the last couple of games. Conor McKenna's form right throughout the league has been desperate. Um, it's it like everything should be going through him, and it's not. It's like he's outside of every game. Like I mean, it's really worrying. They've conceded six goals. They're trying to play a more open style. Alan just said you won't catch good backs out with you know looking disinterested and getting up there you'll catch their own backs out because I'm not sure that they're bad backs I think that they're not necessarily used to this they're trying to learn everything on the hop they've had no pre-season they have a new management like how good are the management to actually coach these defenders in a more open game there's lots of questions kind of there for Tyrone now yeah, like we, Willie spoke a few weeks ago about them probably being the most exciting team we were looking forward to seeing in the league but geez, they're probably the team at the end of it who've the most questions like um Jeez, I know we were talking about their old culture of being kind of blank defence and that coming out of it um, and how, how they'd get kind of come out of that as a team but I, I don't know do the manager know what their best 15 is going into the championship you know like in the forward line uh, McKenna's been woeful like you said you know we were hoping for big things from him like Bradley Lee Brennan McCurry Donny they've all been in out of the team Maddie Donnelly's been moved all over the place you know so I think they have an awful lot of questions and Canavan who look good is probably under right pressure you know uh, for championship I don't know I'd say they'll definitely have to tighten up the back a bit and they probably will probably sacrifice the forward you know like Terry McCann came on and done alright at the weekend and they might put him a wing back you know but um, I think they're under a bit of pressure to be honest with you they've uh, they've calved out a few weeks time I think so look I think they have massive massive questions over him coming out of the league yeah, Tiernan McCann looked good when he came on. I, I was thinking of Peter Hart and Niles Sludden, the two wing-backs. Completely forgot about Tiernan McCann. I hadn't seen him all year and his name completely. I'm not sure about his man bun now, but uh, I let him off with that. Let's talk about Dublin here quickly. Brendan, De- <laughs> Me and Brendan Devenny had an argument the other night on WhatsApp messages, so we couldn't interrupt each other. We both had to give each other our full speak because they were on voice messages. So he was disgusted with Dublin, right? So this is what the argument is about. He says, what kind of 
these are the greatest team of all time and they go out there and they play that kind of crap that Donegal were playing and it was a terrible game to watch these should be pioneers for the game they should be out playing attacking football and my argument back to him was Brendan, they were 115 to 10 points up. The game was over. This is, wi- this is what's winning them football. So here's the big question. Do Dublin continue to play boring, horrible old football that's, that's beneath them, I think, and continue to win? What motivation is there for Dublin to change this, Alan, I suppose, is the point. They're six-time All-Ireland champions. Like, they have evolved a lot over the six years, you know, to pretty pretty risk-averse, boring, lateral, slow, none of the Mayo, 100-mile-an-hour kind of attack that we'd be used to maybe from Mayo. But why would Dublin change it? See, that's the big question. Yeah, like, their play probably has become very systematic over the last couple of years and... um, I think it'd be interesting to see if they go behind in a match what they when they have to come out and they have to attack and I think until we until we see that we probably won't see that 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 full free flow in Dublin football that maybe we we were used to a few years ago. I think the way they start off games they try to get a lead if they get a lead then as I say they play very systematically and they'll hold on to the ball and they'll kind of look for gaps and they're probably used to teams playing with a lot of men back against them as well so maybe So they've developed this system the, because of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly and they're, maybe they're not let like you can't like they're not let kind of play that free-flown quick kick passing ball because there's so many men back against them so they're forced to play this systematic hold on to the ball as we spoke about last week look for the gap wait until wait until somebody makes a mistake wait until somebody falls asleep in the yeah. back line and that's where you that's where you penetrate then um, so that's why the game say the game against Mayo if they play Mayo later on in the summer or a game against Kerry will probably be a little bit more open because those two teams will come out and they leave some gaps in behind for Dublin to play in. Whether Dublin will be useful at that stage to even spot those gaps is the other thing. Yeah. They are a long time playing like this now but I think it'd be good to see them go behind in the game at some stage and just see them come out and have to claw back a lead maybe and see what they're... But look, it's difficult. Like It's still difficult to be... Uh, to be judge- judgmental of them or whatever. Like these guys, some of the, some of the greatest footballers of all time and... Who are we to tell them how to play the game, Willie? Well, well, that's the thing. Well, I can tell them what I like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely tell them what I like to watch and I don't like watching them now. Now, I have to say this in their Dublin defence because I was defending Dublin with Brendan. Brendan was going mad and I said, you're being biased towards Donegal. I said, Donegal were disgraced the way they, they approached that game. A young up-and-coming team in a neutral venue against the six-time all champions and they rolled over. They never tried to go at them at all. They never, they, like, I mean, they played a game that Dublin will beat them at 10 times out of 10. So I, I was really disappointed in them. Understand the championship in two weeks' time. But, like, I mean, at the same time, you look at, you look at Dublin, Paul, and they played Kerry in those two All-Irelands two years ago. Now, they were two of the best football games I've seen in, in at least 10 years. So Dublin will come play you. I, I, I never really blamed. I think Dublin have developed this horrible style in response to what they were facing and have been risk averse because being risky with kick passes with sweepers is silly. And we'd be criticising Dublin if they went kicking too much the other night. Hugh McFadden started in, intercepting them and you'd be saying, geez, that was naive by Dublin. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's a difficult one to be too critical of them because I thought Donegal's approach was a similar approach to three, four years ago, which Dublin are, are happy to take it through the hands, you know, against. Yeah, like, uh, if you feel any bit kind of inferior to Dublin, you're probably naturally going to step off. I mean, they have so much of the ball. Maybe it's Barrett Kerry and, and Mayo are the only team that will step up them a bit more. Like, I suppose we would have played them a couple of years ago in the Super 8s, and you always have in your mind that, Jesus Christ, they could open up and give us a hammering. Like, So you're probably going to be that bit more naturally defensive. And look, the Dubs, 
80% of the teams against them play that way, you know, so they have most of the ball and they're taking all the high percentage shots and I'd say maybe that kind of safety and playing that safe way probably works in favour of you if a player trying to get into the Dublin team, you know, so I thought that game at the weekend, geez, was a tough watch, to be honest with you, um, it was kind of a real challenge game, kind of as a spectacle, but like uh, I agree with Alan, it's only when they played like some Mayo or Kerry in Crow Park in a big game that you might see it open up a bit, and I, I'd have no fear that they'd probably they'd be well able to do that once once that happens. Like it's funny, uh, probably mentioned there about players coming in, coming into the team and kind of playing yeah. in, in that similar style. Like a couple of years ago, me, my own club mate um, Sean Bugler was breaking through, and he's a really, really look. We've seen him for a couple of years now, but he's a really, really exciting footballer, real pace, can carry the ball at pace, can score, really good eye for goal. Um, and he got a few runs two years ago, I think, in the in the in the championship. And he and he played. He was playing very safe. From what I know of him, he was playing very safe. Like that, he'd win the ball, he'd hand pass it, looking for the gap and stuff. And we're thinking he's just like this fella's all the talent in the world, and he's trying to nail down a spot in the team. And you have to nail down a spot in the team. You need to do something different. You need to you need to make a mark for yourself. Yeah. And he it, like he never really did it for me, even though I knew it was in him. But obviously wasn't his fault he was playing his role in the team and he knew what his role was and stuff And um, so it's difficult for lads coming in um, who are trying to make a breakthrough because they're encouraged to play within the kind of within, within the framework within the style of play that sometimes you need if you want to get into the team you need to take a bit of a chance go and get yourself a goal so you don't give a manager an option to leave you yeah. out the next day and follow um, in that kick pass follow in I think a lot of the guys now Sean did very well in the championship in the championship last year um, but um yeah, like like it's funny when a fella's coming into a team like that 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 there's really good footballers, but they're not maybe standing out as much as they could because they're not taking those chances. They're just playing within the within the system that Dublin have there at the moment. Yeah, it's a pity. It's a pity. I understand it. It's just it's gone. I think they've gone through to brought it to to new levels where they're just they're refusing to take any risks at all. One big mistake against Dublin just before we get into performance of the weekend, Paul, is like Alan was explaining here a couple of weeks ago about how you know they'll hold on to it they'll wait for someone to lose concentration and then the hand pass goes now here's the thing against Donegal like Donegal are dropping kind of inside the 45 they're leaving the two or three players outside now against Dublin that's absolute madness because generally Dublin don't do that they might drop back but they'll make sure they push out around midfield because if you leave lads out around midfield with no pressure on them they'll have all the time in the world to wait until you know that run is made and then that perfect pass is given in whereas if you push out on those three or four players and make sure you're slapping at them it makes it an awful lot more difficult for them right to to wait and be patient for that lovely little run or to give that perfect hand pass and I think that's a mistake that teams make against Dublin that Mayo and Kerry won't make is that they will not allow those free players you know, wait for that. Every player should be under pressure on the field and that makes that that little bit harder for Dublin. Yeah, like, I, do, I was watching, the, especially the Kerry in the league, when they played us last year, they were dropping back to the D and inside their 45, but they kept pushing out a little bit further this this year. So if the ball was around the 45 and it got popped back to midfield, they'd push out with the ball, you know. So yeah. if, they, they, if, they, if they turned it over, they'd turn it over a little bit higher up the field and then they could use their kick pass to get out. Um, I think you have to do that. I, like um, the other issue then is, is just they have so much of the ball. It's just that fitness issue of trying to do it continuously for 60, 70 minutes. It's going to be so tough. But I agree with you. I think you have to put a little bit more pressure because 
the likes of Kilkenny and, and Fenton will just come around the middle and, and just dictate the pace and then they'll go up and down the wings and, and work their high percentage shot maybe kind of on a loop around the D like they did at the weekend, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Oh yeah, one other one, Alan. Ryan McHugh on Kieran Kilkenny. That was a surprise. Like, and one thing I was disappointed in Dublin is Kilkenny's been in and out of the full forward line. He spent nearly his whole game on the half forward line. If Ryan McHugh, if I'm Dublin manager and Ryan McHugh pairs off against Kieran Kilkenny, I'm saying full forward, yeah. Kieran. Like, I mean, I thought just so it's, it's just a small thing, you know, like, I mean, I know Desi's not there. Mick Galvin um, is there. Desi will be back the next day. I just thought that was a little thing that immediately you would bring Ryan McHugh somewhere he doesn't like to go. And Kilkenny's perfectly happy there. Yeah, it's probably a funny matchup, even if he was out and a half forward on, to be honest with yeah. you. But um, yeah, look, as I say, I think like there's, there's Dublin probably aren't shown their full hand yet. Um that game yesterday probably for them didn't probably didn't mean a huge amount. Um, so I think they're happy enough to go out and play the way they're like to play the way they're asked. I think if we found if that was in the summer, if, if that was in the summer in Crow Park, you, you probably would find Kirk and Kenny heading into a heading into the full forward line. But I think he nearly do it on his own without even being asked. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a very smart footballer. Like he would have twigged that definitely. But I think like. Like Kieran's another man a little bit like that who I know is all the talent in the world I watched him for a long time and for a long time I thought God he doesn't take any chances doesn't really like it took him a long time to even score a goal for Dublin but um, as I said who am I to who am I to judge Kenny Kenny but he's a very smart footballer and he plays the game as he sees it and, and he'd, he'd have known in the back of his mind yesterday this probably isn't the place to be shown a full hand but I think if it was the summer you'd have seen a different story there yeah that's true they're very nice words for Kenny considering he retired you <laughs> <laughs> alright Performance of the weekend. Next. Right past the back mountain. <laughs> All right, so performance of the weekend. First nomination is Brian Hurley. Paul, I'll give this one to you. One four. He only came on in the thirty fifth minute. Like, I mean, I'm, anyone listens to the show knows I'm a huge Brian Hurley fan, and as we've said before he allows Cork have more of a kicking game because he's always showing Luke Connolly some of the passes absolutely beautiful Mark Collins back on the field Ronan McCarthy said after the game I think we're in great shape going into the championship is he right? Uh, we can see the 25 points I suppose <laughs> against Westmead so <laughs> um, I think they've had a lot of injuries and they had a lot of injuries coming into the league look attacking wise I thought towards the end of the Westmead game they nearly had all their best players like Hurley and Collins when they came on kind of kind of got him over the line. I'd say Luke is probably the most important forward and the only thing is was Colomani went off injured. Like if you had to forward them up front, they're all ball players and they would be in they would be a match for most teams. Uh, I think defensively, I think there's a uh, we, they need to get a few fellas back. But look, I suppose they won three out of four of their league games. It was a normal year they'd be in the promotion hunt, but I suppose it's just conceding big scores has been a, a bit of a problem. Right, okay. So you like I mean yeah, twenty five points against Westmead. That, that that I think Westmead had something like fourteen points in the first fifteen minutes or something crazy like that. Maybe they tightened yeah. it up after that. Yeah, they they had eleven points after the first water break, like which was Jesus. And they could have had a goal the same for I think O'Toole could have had a goal either side of half time and they they would have been under a bit more pressure. But look, they came good in the third quarter, Cork, they got two goals and I think it was two seven or something uh, and that got them through. 
Right, okay. Um, Oshin O'Neill and Rian O'Neill, and giving these two the a nomination together, like there's no doubt these fellas are the future of Armagh football. There's absolutely none. And I kind of criticised Rian last year a little bit for playing a bit inside himself and not kind of dominating games. But they're certainly getting on top of games now. They're, they're incredibly talented. Andrew Mernon back yesterday, he played full forward. Oshin and Rian were taking turns at midfield with, with Niall Grimley. And now you've got some big men. I'm a big fan of Mernon. Um, and while I jumped off the Armagh band, wagon last year maybe I'm going to start believing them, believing in them a little bit more like they definitely deserve to stay in Division 1 it would have been a bit of a travesty after beating Monaghan and drawing uh, with Donegal you know to be going down Alan it would have been very harsh you know but they were very convincing winners against a team who often beat Armagh you know in recent years so it just shows the, the level of improvement that they've, they're, they're at Yeah they are they've, they've, they've probably been maybe the team of the league I think we've we've spoke about them every week we've been here and they look the two boys especially look full of confidence and the way they're playing football the scores they're kicking um, but look the proof is going to be in the pudding in the championship for, for Armagh they need to win a big game in the championship and like I'd say deep down Kieran McGinney knows that he knows they probably haven't before that they haven't performed that well in the championship over the last number of years, so they need to take a scalp there. Um, they need to be the Donegal or Throne. That's their next step, you yeah, know. Like I yeah, mean, and it's, it's this is a huge this is a huge championship for them. But certainly coming out of the national league, they look like a team that can that can that can cause problems in Ulster, and, and I've been very impressed. And they look like like they're a real footballing team as well. Obviously, yeah. Kieran McGinley brings a hard edge himself to it, um, and, and and I'm sure they won't shy away from any battle. But they do look to really, really nice footballers, particularly the two lads. And and they're the sort of footballers you'd be excited about seeing them in in a bit of space in Crow Park. Um, so it'll be great to see them back there later on. And, and as I said, look of the height respect for Kieran McGinley. I think he's he's a very good manager, um, a very committed manager, and 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 the sort of fellow you'd love to play under. And he looks like he's getting the most out of our man. Yeah, there's a lot of hugs um, going on after after the game. Like, I mean, you've Grugan in there, who's a very clever player. You've uh, Stefan Campbell, who's a very clever player. I've been critical of them, Paul, lacking a little bit of pace, I thought, um, last year against Donegal to try and break those lines. When, it, Like, in a footballing game, which they probably get... Um, you know they're probably getting more of now which you know teams have turned the corner from they always struggled against teams that went back ahead of the ball and kind of waited because their kicking game was kind of null and void at that stage Yeah um, like they've been probably one of the most enjoyable teams to watch in the league like you probably have written them off at the start because they haven't done too well in the Ulster Championship and they were in the Ulster side of the league but uh, like they have some big like the two O'Neill's Grimley and Charlie, Charlie O'Burns like they're they're big mobile men like um and I think they have a focal point in the full forward line now, you know, um, as well um, with, with Grugan and um, Forker inside, or is it Campbell? So, but um, they're, they're a really good team to watch. Um, I think they, what they, they do need is that big win. Um, and it would be interesting to see when they do meet one of those big teams in Ulster, how they deal with that blanket in front of them uh, and that counter-attacking. Um, but like you, you mentioned there, like even Jamar Hall, he brings great pace to the, 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 the team and that. Like So, um, look, and it remains to be seen but like you'd be happy for them that they stayed up the way they played throughout the league yeah exactly definitely ones to watch uh, Shawnee Furlong scored 2-3 and this is what Shawnee said after the um, after the game he says we just felt we were looked down upon today even when we came to the stadium they were warming up on the pitch and we were put out the back um, I just felt uh, they were up there and we were down here they just don't give us the, res- the respect when I saw that it drove me mad maybe they didn't but that's the vibe I got. Now, this game was played in Navin, 
This wasn't played in Breffney Park. Like Cavan had no control over over whether they played out or they tra- warmed up on the pitch in Avon and you know the one you know the pitch out the back, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know, did Shawnee make up all this in his head? You know, like Michael Jordan in that documentary used to make up scenarios in his head that someone had said something or disrespected him just to get motivation. Cause I'm reading these quotes going, Cavan couldn't have disrespected you, Shawnee. This was in Navin, when have no control over where anyone trains. Yeah, well, I suppose you find an edge whatever way you can and um, like it certainly looks like something annoyed something annoyed Shawnee going to be coming out with those comments <laughs> and, and and to score two three off the back of it then. And Shawnee's around a long time works, like he's so. a lovely left foot on him like he's a, yeah, he's he's a kind a of an old school yeah, burly yeah. full forward. Yeah, but to score two three um, is good kicking to be fair to him and look it's a great win for him and as I said you find your edge whatever way whatever yeah. way you can and um, I think there's no doubt Wicklow are more up for that match than Cavan and, and Mickey Green spoke about it as well when when, when the game was in the mental pot. Cavan didn't want to know. Yeah, that's exactly it. Jack McCarran got seven in total, uh, Paul. Two frees, uh, five from play. He came on after 11 minutes. That's kind of like, I don't know what it is about Jack McCarran. I think sometimes menta- his mentality, then again, maybe he's a forward that's come out of very defensive Ulster football. He just doesn't like it. He doesn't like playing against it. He likes a bit of space. He likes to be able to use that lovely left foot. But I don't know, when there's expectations on him, he doesn't deliver. Like coming on as a sub there, I'd say in that game, he's like, there's no pressure on me whatsoever. And he, he gives a performance that he's he's capable of. Yeah, I suppose when he broke on first, you saw that left foot, you're saying, Jesus, this would be a good compliment to McManus inside. Like, yeah. But then he's in love with the team, but Jesus was unplayable at the weekend when he came on. Like, he reminds you a bit of Paul Finley, the way he strikes the ball. I remember he played man in, but yeah. um, just natural, like, just have a quick look, get it one hand and swing it over, just that natural arc with his left leg. Um, geez, I thought he was brilliant yesterday and then to kick the match winner in extra time. Um, he just, he kind of, he his kicking the way, he, he just let them stretch the field that bit more, you know, he, he kind of kept the presence up there and, and, and kept putting them over and kept Galway honest, you know, and, and they, they just couldn't deal with him. Yeah, exactly. Keen Farrell deserves a shout out here from Offaly. Um, scored seven points, two marks, uh, two from play and three frees. We saw his first point off the left in the first half on League Sunday last night. It was beautiful. Now, what I'd say to Keen, he's a big man, a good target man. He's only 20. You're going to have to work on the right foot, mate. That was a bit of an awkward angle. That was a beautiful point off the left foot. Um, you know, like, I mean, Offaly, I'm looking forward. I hope that's on television. I'm looking forward to seeing them in a full game and seeing, like, they must be incredibly excited to be playing in Crow Park you know fellas like Keen Farrell Anton Sullivan scored four from play he's around a long time doing it do you know what I mean just being able to being on the, a national stage yeah there's probably there's probably the most amount of excitement around around Offaly football I'd imagine since I think we played him in the Leicester final in the mid He's back but it's you did. a good oh, six fifth, maybe was oh, it six a good whatever that is 15 years ago so they've been really they've had They've had it hard since around then, since since that team kind of kind of went away. So um, I'd say there's a bit of optimism down there. Obviously, the hurlers are going well as well. So I'd say this camp, the camp is happy. Shane Lowry's putting it all down to himself since he announced his sponsorship. <laughs> with they, they haven't lost a match in football or are hurling. I don't <laughs> think so. That well. and, and Leash haven't won a game in hurling or football. I know. <laughs> Jesus, no, it's working. It's definitely working. Final one. I give this one to you, Alan. Paddy Small. Like he wasn't even nominated uh, for man of the match. I think who who was it um, on the COCOM? 
Um, Coleman Goggins, I think it was. I'm not sure, but it was. It was like I mean, it was Kieran Kilkenny or Conor Callaghan dominated, and I'm convinced this is TG Cahar. They've got Irish, and they're going to be interviewed in Irish. Irish and yeah. Paddy Small is just going to speak but in English. Not, like Paddy Small deserved to be nominated for that. He scored one two. He was the liveliest of the forwards. Um, he was better than Kilkenny, probably on a par with Con. Yeah, he's quite actually like, like you talk about the Dublin forwards a lot and playing it safe and kind of looking for in fairness to Paddy Small, he does. He's not afraid to take on a man. He is quite direct when when he decides to be and he's 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 kind of getting he's the sort of player you think oh, when, when, when we get to the big games now Paddy Small mightn't be in the team yeah. but he keeps performing and he's yeah. getting like he's clocking up scores he'd won two he's he's clocked up good scores in the National League so he's yeah he's kind of he's making a name for himself I think and he's probably proven some people wrong that the, I'd say people might have thought he might have been a might have been a panel player maybe in the team for a while and out of the team for the bigger games but, but he He's slowly but surely becoming an important part of that, of, of, of that Dublin forward line, the Dublin full forward line. Um, I completely agree. He's won me over. Yeah. I was a bit like you, kind of thinking, right, he's in for Mannion. He's not as good as Mannion. He won't, you know, he'll be in and out. But it looks like he's a regular now. Like, I mean, I would like to see players supporting him a bit more for the hand pass that he doesn't have to do the same, you know, take him on all the time. But you're right, he, he's, he's not afraid to shoot. No, he's not. He's a good forward. He's accurate. Um, probably a little one-sided. Um, if I was to pick out a fall, doesn't seem to get caught with it though. That way, does he? Like, no, you don't he's probably a little bit like he's probably a little bit like Paddy McBrady. Doesn't get caught either. He probably has that that little jink or whatever that he can always get that yard of space to get the shot off with his left foot. But um, no, he is. He's an exciting forward and he's getting better. Yeah, he definitely is. Right, so performance of the weekend. I'm going to give it to Shawnee Furlong for making up a completely uh, incorrect scenario in his head and motivating himself um, to score 2-3 and keep Wicklow in Division 3, which is a fantastic achievement for Wicklow. They struggled so long to get out of Division 4 and imagine if they had gone, gone down. They're stuck down there with Cavan and Tipperary still down. So there's some more of that, Shawnee. Just, just, just like Michael Jordan, just make something up in your head and motivate yourself to go out and the rest is history, as they say. Right, so Shawnee Furlong performance of the weekend right lads we'll leave it there and we'll be back on Thursday and we'll do a show we'll talk to you all then good luck but this little dink ball the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest why do you not do many interviews oh really yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile really yeah you ever rang me and they're roaring at me, I cover you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.